This is the Content Recruiter Podcast. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay, man. That was, <laughs> that was like such a dynamic intro. That was. Maybe I should say Nate again, just for a bit more of a uh, bit more drama. Um, ah. New week, new survey. Social media today is the source. Socialmediatoday.com with the headline Nate of new survey shows that LinkedIn users strongly dislike unsolicited DMs. Shocker. <laughs> Discuss. Discuss. Just go. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. So, so before we hit record, when we were, t- we were talking about like one is like, oh, big revelation. Um, yeah. I, but it's, I, I think it's like, honestly, man, uh, it's kind of nice to see this in a formal you know, publication or like a formal like release of some kind, because I, I think this is the chatter that goes on. I mean, you and I, you and I talk about this stuff. We post about it. Um, these are like the backroom conversations that happen, but it's kind of, it's just like nice to see it in the for, like out into the public now, um, in more of like a formal way. So that's good. Um, you know, it's obviously not what like LinkedIn promotes. Um, in mail them up, huh? What's that? Send them in mails. Send them in mails. Buy uh, those credits. In, yep. Yeah, I know exactly. And uh, I, I mean, the thing is, is like it's uh, if you just take a little bit of time to talk to the people that you're that you're marketing to, they'll tell you exactly what they want, how they want to be approached, what they don't like. Um, and so it's like, it's nice to see somebody, somebody doing that, but, uh, you know, what's funny about that? I'm going to stop you there. You know, what's funny about that is that like, you're right. You, you just, it, it, we waste so much time and money thinking about innovative in inverted commas ways to try and reach our audience. People are like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to start using drift video. I'm going to start using loom. I'm going to start sending DMS to there brothers, auntie, sisters, dogs, cousin, I'm going to start doing all of this stuff. And it's just all built in baked in assumption, isn't it? How can it, I reach it, these people? It is. And I feel, doesn't it feel like, uh, there's so much, uh, you know, when it comes to st- strategy, there's so much like talking at each other, right? There's like this, uh, like, Oh, here's the best approach. Here's the new approach. Oh, that approach is wrong. Here's why I'm right. Here's why you're wrong. All this stuff going on, and and it doesn't feel like anybody's just going like, hmm. Why don't we just ask a couple people, and they'll tell us, and we'll be able to like figure out because, um, you, you know, people are people in general are are we're complex, and um, we don't fit into these like neat little boxes, and uh, it's. So, so if you're like, you know, within the context of recruiting, not every recruiter recruits the same type of person. Um, and going back to what you talked about last week, which I, I've been still like thinking a lot about, which is like this whole niche down approach, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, who do you specialize in connecting with companies? Like what, what kind of person, what is their role? What is their like, their seniority level? And that kind of person has an approach. And they want to be, they want to, uh, like, they have a way of going about things. And all you have to do is, like, ask enough of those types of people, and you'll be able to build a model that resonates with them. And, hell, you know what? 
They might say, I prefer to get an in-mail from a recruiter that has this, this information in it because in-mails to me, are, I categorize those as job specific. And my email and everything else is filled with like newsletters and spam and things like that. But I know that if I get an in-mail, it's about this, but I wanted to have this type of information. Well, then you know like exactly how to reach out to that type of person, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I get it. I, um, and actually one of the most underrated ways of figuring this out is to just ask the people that you already work with, the people that you've hired. Where do you hang around? What do you want to know? What do you want recruiters to tell you? How do you want recruiters to approach you? Yeah. I, um, you know, and also, yeah, sorry. Uh, also, I think um, we got to like acknowledge the fact that when somebody's working at a company, if they're, if they're in demand on some level, or if they're just unhappy, they're probably an active job seeker of some, uh, on some level. Um, yeah. They're being contacted, they're trying to be, you know, they're being poached by other companies. Um, they're fielding, you know, some level of interest. And uh, it's worth, it's worth just having a transparent conversation with those people too and saying like, Hey, when it, when, when you are feeling that the grass is always greener or you do go about like finding about out about other opportunities, whether you want to take them or not, how, how do those come to you? But, uh, I mean, the moral story here is just like, fucking just ask the people. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's kind of interesting because when I get a, my personal email address is linked to my LinkedIn profile. Mine too. From, from those crappy jobs you never get around to doing. And um, I, whenever I get a connection request, like 10% uh, for argument's sake, I'm not sure of the actual number, but it's fairly often, um, result in a pitch to my personal email off the platform. So they get my personal email off my LinkedIn profile. They don't DM me on LinkedIn after I hit connect. And then they go straight to my inbox to pitch something to me or to say, hey, this is available. You know, my first instinct is, how the fuck did you get my email address? <laughs> and it's only looking back and remembering the name and going, oh, actually, we connected on LinkedIn a couple of days ago or a week or whatever. But I, I don't know, there's something up that just feels a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I didn't get permission to do that, did they? And I don't know if that's just me and my view on things. You might be completely different. You might say, I literally don't give a shit if someone comes to send me an email after connecting and they've taken my email address off LinkedIn. Who cares? And, and to be honest, I, I, it's not a huge, huge issue, but it's just always something that my mind, I don't know, a natural reaction of mine is when I see it, I go, how do you get my email address? Because I've, I've made a conscious effort to turn that email into like non-spam important stuff. I've got like two personal email addresses. One's full of crap, which I've literally never delved into. And there's like 4,000 unread emails. And the mm, other one yeah. I genuinely try and keep on top of because it's important stuff like my little boy's nursery, for example, or you know, bills or whatever, like stuff you need to know about. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I always feel a little bit irritated when people email me there and they don't sort of, yeah, I don't know. And they've scraped that data off, whatever, linked to. Yeah, I mean, or anywhere, I mean, <clears throat> you know, like uh, Zoom Info or any of the, you know, mm. any of these, these databases. I mean, it's really easy to find people's contact information. I just, uh, 
I, I it's I don't know, man. I the the thing that bothers me more. It's not necessarily getting the getting the email. It's getting an email that is so out of context and like not doesn't even apply to anything that I would be interested in. Mm. It just uh it shows this like level of laziness and <laughs> I feel like not give a shitness. That's not a word, but or that's not a term, but like but it is, it's almost like, fuck it. You know, if I, uh, if I, if I send him an email and it doesn't pertain, well, m maybe it will out of like a handful of the thousand that I sent today or something like that. It just, it, it, it feels, it just feels so lazy. Hmm. Um, but, uh, there's a, there's a way to my heart right now. Uh, if you're somebody who's trying to sell something because there's one thing that I need. And uh, I've only in, in in the history of like me needing this, I've only had one person ever reach out to me with that, and it was it it was one of those things where it's just like, oh, timing's great. This is exactly what I need. I scheduled a call. I even told the the guy who was the founder when I got on the phone. I was like, your email was perfect, man. And he's just like, ah. He goes, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, you you knew who you were reaching out to. Yeah. Uh, but, no, but it? still, uh, it was, um, it was a new platform that helps <clears throat> Substack um, writers nice, grow nice, their nice. newsletter audience. Nice. And it was perfect. Um, I want to go back to this survey a second. Yeah, because Jeez, we got off topic. Yeah, we did. We went well off topic. So the question asked specifically, what's the most annoying thing about LinkedIn? And the four answers were this, or were these spammers and scammers, off topic posts, irrelevant notifications and unwanted messages. Spammers and scammers. <laughs> like, this is mad, because that's like 40%, uh, sorry, 25% of the vote that's taken. That's the significant amount of people who've decided to respond and say, LinkedIn's full of people just spamming you. Mm. And this goes back to the, the, like the relevance to recruitment is, is this. If you've got um, an inbox which is stacked, and I know from creating content more and more over the last few months that my inbox is a joke at the moment, like the amount of sales messages in there is just that I just can't get back to everyone. I can't physically get back to everyone. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any work. Um, and even though they message you five or six times, like one guy has reached out to me four times in the space of a week saying hey can we sell your website services like just the most irrelevant messages clearly right, right. like some form of automation in there um you know where they get angrier and angrier for each message because <laughs> you don't respond they start with like hey nathan how's it going how's the uk and then the next one is hi nathan how are things <laughs> and then it's just nathan <laughs> respond to me like it just gets more and more aggressive as the messages go yeah um, yeah that kind of that kind of thing so um so yeah, I think I think that the the uh, the takeaway here for recruiters is is this: just go and speak to the type of people you want to hire or the people you have hired, and try to understand how they're feeling at different points of the journey before you make massive assumptions about when and where to reach them. Is that fair? Yes.
That okay, is very cool. fair because you show me, uh, you know, you, you, you share with me screenshots from some of the things that you observe in like different, different groups. And, um, it's not that it's not what, it's not what we're talking about. It is, uh, it feels just like so many assumptions. Oh, I mean, all right, let, let's start into that. So, um, message on a, uh, recruitment group this week. Here you go. Here's a message. Okay. Does anyone have a trick to find a, a LinkedIn member's last name if they only list the last initial on their profile? Like, understand yeah. it, trying to figure out the last names, thinking then go on to seek out or hire easy or whatever and just put the name in and grab their email. It just feels really shady, doesn't it? And, and, and everyone listening to this will go, mate, what are you talking about? This is literally the job of a recruiter. You go find someone's details, you reach out to them, you go and get them on the hook and try to sell them the position in the role, uh, position in the company. But doesn't it feel really like car salesman 1980 edition? Yeah, where you're like, it does. Hey, we've got a sniff of their name and their details. Let's go and scrape their email address, and we are going to reach out to those people and tell them that coffee is for closers, and we want their ass in our business. Doesn't it feel like that? It does. It feels invasive, um, and the man. What's the solution? Cause this is something else that you and that you and I talk about, like, in, you know, we talk about this offline, but like, mm. uh, we do wonder often. We, we, we do. I, I and, and honestly, Nate, my, my, um, I can only tell recruiters what I've experienced over the last year or two or 18 months from the approach that we take by positioning subject experts, let them do the awareness work and accelerate that work with paid social if you have to, but let them do that awareness work, pay a lot of attention to the type of people that are engaging with their content, and then sourcing becomes a lot easier. And I'm not okay. that we, we've had this conversation a million times that like we, we, I'm not anti-sourcing. I, I, I don't, um, I hate cold sourcing without any sort of context. I think it's just the biggest waste of time that, that recruiters um, engage in today. That of all the things they can do, I think cold outbound sourcing is just the biggest waste of time. Um, but that changes when you've got people responding to content that your subject experts are putting out and they can then see the natural connection between, oh, this company works, this guy works here or this woman works here, publishing content, really like what they're saying. Oh, their recruiters just reached out to me. Well, that's interesting because I've been watching the CTO's content come out over the last six months. Actually, really like what they're saying, really like what they're building. I'm going to have a conversation with them. Yeah. Right. There's a... Uh... Okay, so this is making me think about something. Um... Just very, sorry, Nate, just very quickly on this. You know, since, since I've been publishing more, like, you know, my content... Like in terms of my specific content over the last eight months has been really hit and miss. Since I've been publishing more consistently since Christmas or January yeah. time, I um, I would feel much more confident about reaching out to the X amount of hundreds of recruiters that have connected with me 
and just saying, hey, I'm launching this marketplace for on-demand recruiters, do you want to take a look at it? And I'd be very, very confident at getting a response from those people. Yeah. Because we've engaged, we've had chats on LinkedIn, they've engaged with our content consistently. Like, I would just feel a lot more confident. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, Sorry, it's because it's because you've made uh, you've made deposits, right? So it's like this whole idea of like there is there's a lot to be said. I've done it too, and so um, where you just like you make deposits, and you know it's like Gary V actually like he wrote a book about this jab 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 right hook, you know, and it's like but it's that whole thing. It's just like you you give. And you get you contribute right over time and then when you do have something of value or you do have an ask or whatever it might be the people that you're asking are like completely open to it because yeah because you've like you've given um the uh which which is like i can't even believe that the pitch and connect or the connect and pitch rather still exists but it totally still exists um and uh I am now like way more selective about who I accept connection requests from, but uh, really, I really? am. I, I didn't used to be, but um, but now I can tell if I'm going to get something like that. But it that the connecting pitch still exists, and it's just like this whole idea of like asking for something without ever contributing first is uh, it's just antithetical to the way that the whole thing works. But here, but here's what I was thinking about too. Uh, why I think, you know, uh, I imagine recruiters who work for, for recognizable brands have an easier time starting conversations. Um, whether those conversations lead to something like a new hire, um, that's a different story. But as far as like starting the conversations, their brand does a lot of that work for them, right? Which is great, which is like one of the, the benefits of it. Um, but if you look at like what what it took for that brand to become recognizable and the contributions that were made on that side of it. It's kind of like what we're talking about here. We're just talking about it. Like if you, if you don't work for a recognizable brand, there are, there are other ways to make contributions or make these deposits that will enable your ask, right? Make that ask easier. And you can do this at the individual level. Um, you know, one thing, oh gosh, man, another thing that I thought of too is like a single person consistently showing up in the right places with the right insights or information or opinions or perspectives or whatever um, can quickly build up this connection to their, to their company brand. Um, so they become associated with that company and they become that model that can be re replicable or replicated across their, their organization. And I realized that, you know, we, we've, we've talked a lot about like where people spend their time and we both, we both feel that people spend their time, their non-working time in feeds of some kind, right? In like something that re either resembles the social feed or literally is a social feed. And not if you- boards. Not job boards. So if you even have a couple people at a company who are consistently showing up in the feed, it feels like an army of people. Mm. Oh, for sure. But it's yeah, only a couple. And there's like That's this misconception. Yeah, go ahead. It's interesting. I got a message today from a friend who literally sent me a message saying, 
um, seeing your posts everywhere. How are things? Everywhere, I'm, right? I'm like like is... once every two days. Yeah. Crazy. I know it's crazy. And so imagine that if you had three people that would feel, you know, it would, it, it just, it, it just like, uh, it just multiplies. And so there's like this whole misconception one that like talent marketing takes time and budget and creative resources and all this kind of stuff and able to create things that like, then you, you put somewhere and usually they, you put them in places that like nobody sees. And what we're talking about here is a very small amount of people doing something consistently that takes no time whatsoever to, to launch and no budget. Basically. Yeah. No but budget. it's like, but even like, e even the, the statement, get your employees to, uh, get your employees active on social. That's not e that, that actually isn't even accurate. It's not about getting your employees to be active on social. It's like, get a couple people to do it and it's going to feel like 50 employees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're like, right. Yeah. Like that's like 1.0 and then 2.0 is bringing in subject matter experts to do the things that like you're doing with Top Coder, and then, and then now all of a sudden you have like a couple people or a small group of people at your company who are super passionate about your industry and things you're doing and they're like being consistent and then you're doing this like subject matter expert uh, play in addition to it and like you do that and your your talent marketing playbook is like light years ahead of what yeah you, I mean you really know what, though you know what is is funny because I've been I've been advocating this for a while in terms of like if you don't have the people in the business to actually create the content or they don't want to create the content I've been advocating for a while that you should maybe go get external influencers to start driving that attention and that traffic but actually. I think there's a there's a point in the process where you just say no we're not going to do that and the subject experts inside the business are going to take responsibility for hiring and the way they're going to do that is to draw attention and then you know ideally you'd, you'd get high up the chain ideally your c-suite level people who've got the credibility will be yeah. the ones that are publishing because they're perceived to be the subject experts but if they aren't go down a level and you'll get to a stage where, you know, you might even have SDRs publishing content to yeah. try and drive, drive sales hiring. That's fine. For sure. That's great. Whatever. Like, great. Just get started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it is. If, it's great. If you see suite are too busy and they don't see the value of it, then firstly, they're fucking stupid. <laughs> like, if they don't see the value of content in today's world with all the platforms that are available to help them reach their audience, like they are literally stupid. Um, and, and yeah, it doesn't have to be that sort of senior level person. Um, so the other thing what I talk about on this, and I was desperately scrambling around for figures on Statista because I, um, your point there about people not hanging around on job boards in the feed is scary when you look at the stats comparing how much time people spend on Facebook per visit versus like indeed 
.com or whatever, or mm. any job board. That's not fair to pick out indeed, literally any job board. Um, the numbers are scary, like the difference in, in the amount of time people spend there, how quickly they bounce, how many pages they view, like it's crazy. Um, but there was another post this week from Hung Lee. So Hung is probably one of the, um, I'd say one of the most recognizable people in this industry, uh, curator and founder of uh, recruiting brain food. Mm. Um, and I've never had a conversation with, with Hung actually, but seems like an all rounder, a good guy, a good intelligent uh, guy who's, um, very rational with his thoughts and, and delivers really good content to the industry to help it, to help it improve. And I've got a lot of time for that. So, um, he published some findings today from uh, a company called Gem. Now, this is like a, um, I've never actually used Gem, a modern recruitment platform um, that enables TA teams to find, engage and nurture top talent. So I'm assuming there's an element of sourcing in this. And I always get a little bit skeptical when platforms yeah. who are- I'm familiar with Gem. Yeah, of cool. So they're I, like I, a, a sequencing type. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah. here's my thing. I always get when 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 vendors start creating reports which basically promote the product offering. I always become a little bit cynical. Um, <laughs> but anyway, down into report. So one part really stuck out for me. So the question was, and this is to I think it was two hundred um, TA leaders around the world. How many hours per week do you spend on outreach to passive talent? So 3% don't do outreach, 18% 20 plus hours a week, 27% 15 to 20 hours a week, and then the rest are made up between less than five and five to 15. So you've got, what, 30, 40, 60, 80 plus percent of people, no, around 80% of people who spend between five and 20 plus hours per week outreach into passive talent. Yeah. Don't tell me you don't have time to put a content marketing strategy together because you're too busy sourcing talent. You're spending half your working week reaching out to people, running around the internet like a lunatic with your proverbial megaphone, and you don't have time to put a strategy together to attract these people at scale through social channels. It's crazy. Nate, talk to me about that. <laughs> I think I can't, you're... I mean, do, you, do you disagree? Because we very, it's frustrating because I feel like we, we agree on a lot. But do you, like, we, we agree on a lot, and I, and I, and I dare say people tune so, into podcasts occasionally want a bit of controversy, so can you at least just flip the table and pretend to hate what I just said? Okay. I don't, I don't disagree with you, what, but I think the problem, if we're, if we're talking about in-house, in the, the problem, one of the problems is, is that going back to, like, what we were talking about a couple minutes ago is I think that there's the misconception of what, of what talent marketing actually is today. Mm. Um, I think that 
the employer branding in industry or the recruitment marketing industry or like any of this stuff does a has done a terrible job at making companies feel like the way to do this work looks a, like looks a certain way and it's like it, it hasn't evolved and so you know it's like this it's like okay we got to do some employer branding. All right. So like now, what does that mean? We got to plan it out. We got to get into a room. We got to map out this whole strategy. We got to go about this whole thing. Now, all of a sudden we're talking about a month has gone by and then like, maybe we can like then put together a budget, which is another month. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're six months down the road and like, maybe you've hired like an agency to help you do some branding work. And, you know, meanwhile, your recruiters are still doing the same exact thing, right? They're, they're scraping data, they're messaging people. However they do it, it doesn't matter, but that's basically what it comes down to. And you know, my, my very like strong opinion now, and this has evolved to the point to where I'm at now, is that this employer branding, whatever we wanna call it, I, hate, I don't even know like what to call it anymore, but like marketing your company to talent now 2.0 is, is showing up in feeds consistently, consistently equals scale, and realizing and accepting that it doesn't take a whole like massive like a group of people in order for that to have an impact. You like because of the algorithm and the amplification and the ability to like continually show up. Um, you only need a couple people doing this. Um, couple that with like the things that you're talking about, like with SME, like subject matter experts. And like, that's where we're at. But like, it, it sounds so simple because it actually, because it is. And like, this doesn't, this doesn't limit anybody who doesn't have a budget. If anything, it probably gives people without budget uh, more of an advantage because they can be scrappy. And to me, scrappy equals the things that actually have impact. Because the moment you start throwing like a bunch of money at this, you're going to overbrand stuff. You're going to bring in consultants about who talk about brand alignment and all this kind of crap that like, if we're talking about top of the funnel demand, it doesn't matter. And so, um, I just, I want people to realize this, like, like even if there's just like one person at your company, get them talking and contributing in the places that your audience spends their time. I think this is like an interesting thing, man. That's like why like the, I think the employer branding industry is like, is like so far gone, man. Like when it comes to this, like they would never have this conversation because this conversation doesn't lead to them doing a six figure consulting gig to like roll out like a big EVP in six months. Oh, for sure. And, and, and you know, it doesn't lead to a new careers page. It doesn't, it doesn't lead to that fancy evergreen content with the immortal words spewing out of it of no two days are ever the same here, which is basically what happens on all evergreen corporate content for careers pages. Right. You know, yeah. you've already pitched them. You've got your colleagues sat there in front of a green screen saying no two days are ever the same. <laughs> I mean, and, and like, but, but if we're talking about like, 
but he, here's the, here's the thing. Here, here's the, here's the thing that, that what you said earlier is like, this is a both and this isn't an either or. So this isn't even stop spending your five to 20 hours sourcing candidates. It is, it is carve out a little bit of that other time and get creative, like be, be a creative individual. And if you have something to say and you have, and you're fired up about your industry or you're passionate about something, we have every method of distribution available to us and it's free. Yeah, it is. It is. And, it, and actually, go learn from some of the greats that are kicking around the internet who've done all this stuff. Like, if you want to learn about content marketing, I spent so much time observing Joe Palizzi, who's the founder of the Content Marketing Institute. And then I just spent so much time then going to observe people on LinkedIn who actually started producing and distributing some content. Um, and actually, they seem to follow the Joe Palizzi framework. Like, they go and find one big problem with a, with a space. They understand who the audience is um, and they deliver that content consistently over like six, 12 months to build that audience. That's really where, where they're at. Um, just very quickly before we wrap up, because I know we usually keep it to half an hour and we've gone over already. Yeah, yeah. But this is, um, this is kind of interesting. So I got a message earlier on LinkedIn after I put a post out. Um, I can't specifically remember what the post uh, was now, um, which is quite frightening given that it was earlier today. <laughs> But I, uh, I saw a comment, um, which I thought was really thoughtful. And, and one of the, the more interesting comments I've read on, on my post, like full stop. Um, and it was basically saying, where do you see recruiters heading in the future on the basis that um, they should be using this content marketing strategy or the demand gen strategy. Um, guy, guy called Kyle Gantos never spoke to Kyle before. Actually, oh, yeah. after that, because I think he's, um, I think he's quite interesting. I don't know if you're connected with this with this chap as well, but really, really like that comment. And um, and yeah, I wanted to get your your views on it just over like, a few minutes. Like, where, where do you, what, what skills do recruiters need to learn as we head into? like the middle back end of 2022 and beyond? Uh, writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and writing, writing comes through, uh, being a good writer comes from practice and like repetition. And um, it's one of the great things about writing posts is, you know, you can, you, you just like over time become a better writer, a better communicator. Um, that plays out well, uh, obviously, in messages that you're sending to people. Um, it's an invaluable skill, mm. and um, so there's so there's that. Um, I mean, go ahead. Just on that, um, you know, we talk a lot about um, creating content for the feed on whichever platform, insert platform here, but let's say LinkedIn. I, I do often feel that like people get nervous about putting themselves out there, regardless of the seniority and, and their experience. Like that's the other barrier to this. Like it's, it's daunting. I, I hit posts and and um, you know some days I sit there and go, that's controversial. That's not going to land well with some people. I'm going to get some abuse for that. And it does play on your mind. I think it yeah. plays in everyone's mind because we're just conscious, aren't we? Um, yeah, we are. But not everyone needs to deliver 
content just for the purpose of the feed. And so if you've got a CTO who's incredibly technical and wants to create longer form written blog content, go do it and actually you go be the person that's responsible for chopping it up and actually picking parts of that and putting it out into the feed as part of the content. So it yeah. doesn't have to constantly be this thing that's just driving um, you know, one format through the feed kind of mentality. Like this could form larger parts of large pieces of content. Um, so it's all the whole, I guess, the whole repurposing conversation, but um, that's a really cool way to sharpen your writing skills as well by creating more longer format stuff. Um, there is. And the other thing too that I think is extremely valuable um, is whether you're the one who's the face of it, Hmm. Um, okay, hold on. Let's say you're not the one who wants to be the face of it, but if you have the, the creative ability to help people get things like to take the stuff that's in their head and get it out into a way that is consumable, um, and, uh, easy to distribute that skill is so valuable right now because if you think about recruiting teams, recruiting teams don't have that. Marketing teams have that, but recruiting teams do not. And if you could be the person on the on the recruiting team who is responsible for helping people get information out of their heads and into, you can now all of a sudden like, you could you could be the producer for your in-house podcasts. You could be you could help people with video because you know you know what tools are available. Um, you can help interview people at your company and ask them good questions. You can, uh, create the, like the micro blog, you know, because you're posting questions in Slack and people are responding and you're copying those out and you're putting them in some, I mean, there, there's do, I could think of 10 different ways you can do that, but you're the one who's like making this stuff like actually happen and see the light of day. Um, if you have that person, some these as a team, uh increase by by so much yeah that, it's that's... almost like you're you're like this like producer creative director which by the way would be a fucking killer role that's the route i would take as a as a recruiter i think it's incredible um dude we need to wrap up that went quick yeah, okay. i actually really enjoyed that conversation i think we we um had a lot of things i like this this motion of being in this like ta trends of the week kind of conversation me I'm too, sure whoever's listening will tell us whether it's um, whether it's useful or not. But before we wrap up, we should really share our sort of thoughts and love for the people in Ukraine and actually the people in Russia as well. We probably don't want this this war because you've got um, some colleagues two, out there as well, right? Yeah, I do, man. We have uh, we have two uh, two of our key team members are are uh, in Ukraine. One of them uh, was she got out and she's in Germany now, but the other one is uh, is right outside of Kiev. And I just talked to her today, and it's uh, it's a, it's a very intense, rough situation. So, um, yeah, feel yeah, for them. It's 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 depressing, isn't it? Um, it really is. And it just I don't know about you, but this week kicked off, and you just there's this like yeah cloud. Hanging yeah, there's a there's a things. there is there's a heaviness. Um, yeah. You know, uh, in honest in all honesty, it's like it's good to. Uh, it's good to like talk and have these conversations because it's honestly kind of a distraction. It's been like a, it's been kind of a rough, rough go for a couple of days here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, we're sending all the love in the world and to your team as well. For my sure. Friend. Um, it's been good to chat this week and look forward to the good next to see one. You, 
All right, man. See you soon, matey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.